Morning. Well, what are you guys expecting? Well, I was going to elevate my sermon today, but I went to the doctor last week and got an MRI on my left knee. And uh, I was really expecting bad news. This thing has really been just killed. Makes me cranky, more than my usual self. And uh, Debbie wants to kick me out of the house because I'm always complaining, moping around. My leg, oh, my leg hurts. So I went and got an MRI and went to the doc for the results. I was really expecting some bad news. And he came back with the results of the MRI and he said, well, and he's, you know, they put the images up on the screen and they're explaining all that and it is you know it doesn't make any sense to you but you nod your head and smile and go along with it and he said here's a bone spur and here's a little tear in your meniscus and for some reason well, we don't know but your ACL is really inflamed really bad and if you see all this white stuff in the gaps, he goes, that's arthritis. And I thought, man, that's not too bad. That's pretty good news. I was really expecting something really, really bad. So I'm going to not elevate my sermon. Some of you were really expecting me to get up on that ladder, weren't you? So I don't know how long... Here, I've got to get... See, I've, I'm out of practice. I haven't done this for a while. So, uh, phone has to go off, right? Make sure your phones are off. I'll put that back in my pocket. And uh, expectations. Wow. In fact, the title of my message today, I decided to call it Great Expectations. And no, I'm not going to give a long lecture on the, uh, novels, uh, the novel by Charles Dickens. You know, he wrote Great Expectations, and I shamelessly borrowed the title, okay? But it fits. But really, in a way, so does the tale of Great Expectations that Dickens wrote back there in the mid-1800s. Because he wrote it about an impoverished boy named Pip who was orphaned, life was a struggle, life was difficult. He uh, got involved with some shady characters, and uh, his life was one mishap after another. But he had a turn of fortune, and he came into some wealth, and he decided to make himself uh, become a great success. And, and he wanted all the trappings of, of a great life with its wealth and fame, and, and so... The novel is about one pursuit after another as this young boy becomes a man coming of age and in his heart and mind he thinks if I can just fill my life with these trappings, If I can just acquire these things, the success and the fortune and the fame and love, I will finally forever break the chains of my low 
self-worth. And thus, the novel is a series of Pip's great expectations. Man, I can't do this. <laughs> I don't see how a guy sit or stand in one place and try to preach. Can't do it. Can't do it. I'll ice the knee later. <laughs> great expectations. And so we're talking these recent weeks about the church in uncertain times. And so how do these great expectations for us as God's people, as kingdom people, how, how, does, how does it connect? How do we, how do we uh, deal with the difficulties of society today? You know, and a lot's going on in our country, and we all have expectations of maybe better behavior or, or you know, better law enforcement and better civil control. We have all these expectations, and when we watch them play out, we're often disappointed. For Pip, his search in life was one great expectation after another. When he was confronted with being wealthy, as he became wealthy, he was not fulfilled. As, he, as his great expectation was to acquire fame and success in life, as he acquired those things, his expectations of what they would bring to him fell short. And we go, man... But what about our lives? Some of you this morning probably are greatly disappointed. I didn't climb that silly ladder. There you go. <laughs> and so disappointment sets in. And for the disciples, and here's the transition, to the church, we're going to look at their life, their walk with Jesus, they're part of being included in the kingdom. Of being offered all the promises of God. Their expectations of what that meant and would mean for their lives. And how it applies to our spiritual journey today. Let's look at the scripture, can we? We're going to... Dr. Luke is continuing the gospel of Luke. Writing to his friend Theophilus in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about Jesus, what he began to teach and do, until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to the disciples at a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating, I didn't know it flipped already. In one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Jesus is giving a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that the Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, 
are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, For you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority, it is not for you to know the times and dates that the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we're going to particularly focus on the last three verses of that portion of Scripture. Great expectations for the church in difficult times. In a world that seemingly is blowing itself to pieces. What are your expectations of God? We know the disciples. We know God or Jesus Christ. He came to this earth. He grew up to be a man. He began to teach. And as He teached, He began to acquire disciples, followers. To teach them. To show them how to be a kingdom person. And so, He chose a few fishermen. And He, he chose uh, uh, lawyers and, and common people. Common everyday people. And He chose them and began to teach them, live with them, love them, show them who God the Father really is. They followed the Messiah for three and a half years. We know the story. It's recorded in the Gospels. We know that as they followed the Messiah, they had grown up with hearing the prophecy of how God would send His Son, the Messiah. And when the Messiah would come, He would deliver Israel. He would set them free from their, capt- their captors. He would conquer them as a conquering general. He would empower them to be the leaders of the world. They heard the prophecies. They knew His teachings They saw the miracles He worked. He saw the healings that Jesus performed. They were on the fast track to enjoy all the benefits of being in, on the inside, with the Son of God. Can you imagine having that kind of inside knowledge? We know a little about inside knowledge. It isn't always beneficial, especially for those on Wall Street. sort of gets them in trouble. If they have inside knowledge of tradings, of deals, of companies going broke or on the rise, and, and they jump the gun and they begin to wheel and deal and buy and sell, it gets them in trouble. But here the disciples were on the inside track. They were hobnobbing with the Son of God, the Messiah. And because they were in, they thought they had it made. And they had great expectations. Messiah. I don't believe you could call anyone Messiah without placing great expectations upon them. When you came to Christ, when you began to live this life and follow Him, what did you expect? And what are you expecting? Let me tell you a little about my, a time in my life I'm not real proud of, but I excuse it for stupidity and immaturity, okay? 
And I know the Lord has forgiven me, but I still, even to this day, some 50 years later, I still <sighs> cringe. I was uh, newly married. We were struggling financially. We lived in Terre Haute. That was home, Terre Haute, Indiana. Down on the Wabash River where old Fort Harrison used to sit, Pillsbury, you know, the famous Pillsbury Doughboy, they had a big factory down there on the river. And they were hiring. And pay was good. And I was a follower of Jesus. And I just knew that whatever I asked, God would provide. And so I went down there, put all that time in, filling applications out, waited for the call, waited for the call, waited for the call. About a week later, I got a letter in the mail. Thank you, Robert, for applying, but at this time, we're not fulfilled. You're not, you know, not. I wanted that. I still remember standing there, 110 uh, South 12th uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana, at the doorway of, of, I can still remember it like it was yesterday. And I got angry. I got mad. I said, God, I guess you just want me to be poor all of my life. And as soon as I said it, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And to this day, that's still, as you can tell, it's sensitive. Man, I got mad at God over that stupid thing. Working at Pillsbury in the flower wasn't what God intended for my life. I just couldn't see it at that time. I was all of 20 years old. I had an expectation because I was a follower of God that whatever I wanted, when I wanted it, God would provide it. How about you? Ooh, listen. The disciples had some issues. Here's Messiah. Great expectations. The prophecy was he would come and overthrow the enemy state, which at that time was Rome. When Messiah would come, the expectation was he would at that time restore the Davidic kingdom, which meant that Israel would rule over all of its enemies all over the land with power. Wow, what a great time to be a kingdom person. And as Messiah, they knew that he would appoint members only, but he would appoint the inside crowd as state officials once the kingdom got in place, and they would be persons of power. That was their expectation of this Messiah. And don't we follow with Messiah expectations? God, if you just give me that job. God, if you just heal mom or dad or, or my child or, or me. If you, just, if you just do these things. You're Messiah and I'm following you. And I've got, you know, I've got these expectations that you're going to provide with, for some success and some wealth. And, and come on, Lord. I've got expectations here. Listen. The problem with these kind of expectations, and for a lot of us, the reason we stay so close to the Lord, is that it's more about us than the kingdom. It's more about us than the kingdom. It's more about us than the righteousness of God. It's more about us getting ahead than being followers of a humble, lowly carpenter and their 
is where expectations begin to crumble. My expectation was, Jesus, I need this job, so get it for me. Jesus' expectation was, Bob, I want you to be a spirit-filled follower of me so that no matter what happens, you'll put your trust in me and it'll be okay. I wasn't there yet. I didn't learn, and I hadn't learned at that point to take my hands off of my life. That's a tough thing to do. And neither had the disciples after three and a half years. You go to the Gospels and, and find that last week, week and a half of Jesus' life. Man, the disciples had seen all of this that Jesus had done, and they don't get it. So they're making their way now to Jerusalem. Jesus said, I have to go to Jerusalem. And they couldn't dissuade him. He was going. They tried. See, that wasn't their expectation. Their expectation for the Messiah wasn't to go hang on a cross and die. And so they go, they go to, through a village in Samaria, and you have to understand the cultural, racial, social aspects of Samaria. It was, the, it was Israel's half-brothers and sisters. They weren't full-blooded. They, they didn't have full right to send... Uh, ancestry from Abraham, but they were partially included, but they were looked down upon. They were not to be associated with, but it didn't seem to affect Jesus a whole lot. He was a kingdom person. But they were going through a city of Samaria. Jesus, it was getting evening. They needed a place to stop over and rest. And this village said, no, you cannot stay here. Threw them out. Jesus and his clan. Tossed them out. And I suppose if the disciples had, uh, you know, if they were able to have modern technology today, it would go something like this. Peter would be in a little room somewhere with a monitor and his little joysticks, and he would call to James and say, James, we have acquired the target. The drone is now circling overhead. And we're ready to launch hellfire missiles. And James looks to Jesus and says, We're ready to fire, Lord. We're going to blast these rascals right off the face of the earth. That was their ideal of kingdom. That was their ideal of their Messiah. Hey, you cross me, you stand against us, you resist us and fight against us, we're just going to blow you off the face of the earth. Lord! How about now we call, and this is what they prayed. We, we're praying that God will rain fire down and just burn this village. And the Messiah says, wait a minute, boys. You've got the wrong idea. Pray for those who abuse and misuse you. Forgive those who mistreat you. I see, see Peter's finger twitching on the switch. <laughs> Great expectations. Hey, we're with Messiah. He's going to restore. Now he's going to restore the kingdom. Now we're going to pray for these people. And we're going to forgive them. They go a little further. Apparently they didn't get totally out of Samaria because Jesus feels he's got to finish this story. And he tells us the story about the Good Samaritan. Again, 
social, cultural, racial outcast. He falls, the Samaritan falls on hard times. He falls among thieves. He's beaten, left for dead. We know the story. The priest, you know, and, and, and all these people that are supposed to be righteous from Israel pass by and they step over the dying guy and they just go on because, after all, they are a little higher. They have elevated themselves above a lowly Samaritan. And one brave soul asks the wrong question. He says, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And he says, well, here's your neighbor. He's dying. He's hurting. He's bleeding. Go take care of him. Don't step over him. Don't turn the other way. Don't ignore his suffering. Isn't that what we do as as people? When other people don't fall in step with us? And our expectations is somehow we're kingdom people and we don't have time for the sinner. We don't have time for those that are rebellious and, and, and are always about resisting this thing or that thing. Are we going to show them the true Messiah who says go and bandage him up and pay for his hotel and Come back later if he needs anything else and provide for. That wasn't their expectation of Messiah. And then ultimately, ultimately, the night of the Passover, Jesus comes into the upper room and they're shuffling over around the table and there's loud voices raised. And Jesus says, hey boys, what's going on now? And the disciples are arguing, I have the right to sit next to you. James and John were so bold to say, hey, ask God to allow us to sit next to you in the banquet hall. I want to be first. I'm better than you. I'm elevating myself above everyone else. Oh, We hear echoes of our own heart beating here in this story of our expectations of who God is and how we're supposed to act in the kingdom. And we're acting just like the disciples. You cross me up, I'm going to hurt you. I don't have time. If you're not like me, I don't have time for you. And I'm not even interested in knowing who you are or your culture. I'm number one. These were disciples. These were followers. And Jesus, as only Jesus can, stripped off his outer garments. Now he's in slave clothing, dons a towel, gets a basin of water, and begins to wash their feet, and he says, listen, if you seek to become number one, you're going to end up last in the kingdom of God. Expectations of who Jesus was was unlike anything. Even after three and a half years, they still didn't get it, and after the resurrection of Christ, they still don't get it. Lord, are you going to restore our power, is what they're really saying here. Are you going to put Israel number one again? 
so that we can be in control, that we can manipulate God. Great expectations. And at every turn, they were disappointed in who Jesus was. For most, Jesus in the end, on the cross, was a disappointment. Well, why do you say that, Pastor? Because the Scripture said there was no one left. Everyone had left Him. His disciples had fled. Even at that point, they thought, man, it's just futile to keep following this guy. Disappointment. Why wouldn't they feel that way? You see, the irony, and Dickens intended it to come out this way, getting back to the novel. The irony in Dickens' novel, and for us, is that expectations that are fulfilled or attempted to be fulfilled through our own strength are futile. I don't know. I really don't. Only you can answer what you expect from God when you become a God person. But I want to turn this around today. It's not about what we expect from God. It's what God expects from us. And there's where most of us It's not what that I'm supposed to sit around expecting God to bless me and give me money and, and give me a nice home and nice clothes and good friends. No, no, no. Jesus expects something from us. Let's go back to the Scripture, verse 8. Can we do that? Yep. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Man, that sounds fun. I want to have power. Here we go. Kingdom power, baby. I'm going to be number one in God's kingdom. I'm going to be a big flash in the sky. I'm going to be somebody in the kingdom of God. A lot of people have drunk that Kool-Aid, you know. When the Holy Spirit comes and you have power, you will... I'm not going to be in control of anybody. I'm not going to have my own little domain that, that you're going to establish me on. What's going on here? You'll be my witnesses, my mouthpiece, as I have taught you for three and a half years how to live kingdom life. Now you will have my power in you that you may go out and live that kind of life, that you will suffer. For my name's sake, that as they hated the Master, so they will hate you. Oh, man, I'm, that's not what I signed on for. Wait a minute here. I signed up for the blessings and the good things. No, you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to do it wherever you are. Because I am with you. 
And God, through the infilling power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ in us, gives us now the power to live that life. He gives us that power. And once I learned in my life that I had to trust and I had to surrender I had to trust. I had to surrender all that all these messed up expectations I had of being a kingdom person. And once I ex- did that and laid that down and my expectations no longer about what I was going to receive, God gave. Isn't that amazing? When I quit expecting God to give me something, God gave. He gave the Holy Spirit. He gave that personal infilling that every day of my life. I don't need to live a life of disappointment. Oh, I've done disappointing things. I shared with you, there's things I've done in my life. That, believe me, that was the mildest thing I've done that I've ever been embarrassed about. <laughs> I've done a lot of things I'm ashamed of. But now, in the power of the Holy Spirit, I can live a kingdom life. And it's about what God asks of us. To be kind. To be compassionate. To be loving. Don't give with expecting something to be doubled or tripled back in return. Be a kingdom person. That's what God expects of us. That is the conclusion the, conclu- the conclusion for us is to trust, surrender, and surrender to a God who, is, who in His time and purpose gives to us exactly what we need to become the people that He expects us to become. Stop seeing your relationship with Christ as an avenue to achieve wealth, health, special status. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to be the least. Final quote from the book that Dickens wrote, Great Expectations, through all the searching, all the high hopes for his life, all the great expectations that Pip had for himself, It comes down to this. And it comes down to this for you and me in the kingdom of God. When we're in the midst of difficult times, hard times, why are these things happening? Why is it happening to me? Listen to what Pip says. Suffering has been stronger than all other teaching. I have been bent. I have been broken. But I hope into a better shape. Wow. God wants to take us, fling our expectations of what it means to be a follower of Christ far and wide. Allow Him to fill you with His Spirit. Trust, surrender, allow the Holy Spirit to take control of your life. 
And you will know a power to follow him that did not exist before. Just as the disciples read the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes. These guys are supercharged. It's no longer about, hey, I'm going to go out and be somebody in the kingdom. But it's about, hey, have you heard of the Messiah who's bringing the kingdom to you? Our message changes. Our purpose changes. We're no longer focused on ourselves, but about pleasing Him. Yeah, we can elevate. Sure we can. We don't need a ladder to do it. We just need to open our hearts and let the Holy Spirit fill us. In difficult times, we need that more than ever. You need to be close to Jesus more than ever. You need, you need to be filled and living in the realm of the power of His Spirit every day of your life. That way you can fulfill His expectations for you. And I can personally attest there is no higher joy. There is no greater purpose than knowing that you are right in the center of the will of God. Let's pray as our praise team comes. Father in heaven, we don't know today. We come in, many of us, we're all in different places in our lives. We have an ideal of you and, and in, through the word what you're supposed to do in our lives. But we very seldom ask, Lord, what can we do in relation to you and for your kingdom Because honestly, that answer will not come until and only when we open our heart and say, Lord, it's whatever you want for my life. That way, Lord, we have no great expectation beyond the fact that, Lord, we desire that you be with us. And you promised us that, that you would always be with us through good or bad. Good days, cloudy days, it doesn't matter, Lord. Whatever life brings, through the struggle, through the suffering, we are taught to depend on You. And so we thank You today, Lord, for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for the power that You bring into our life as we trust You. And Father, we thank You for the opportunity today that You have opened our eyes, hearts, and ears And now, Lord, we can express that through the joy of song and sing those praises to You, Lord, because You have set us free. Because our only hope and expectation is upon the solid rock. And so now, Lord, as we dismiss, bless us, Lord. Help each one of us individually this week to be that witness that You've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?